right, it's good to be with you here this evening. Welcome. Last couple of months have been a lot of snow, and so I'm grateful to be here not in the snow. So, Grab your Bibles and go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. As you're turning there and they're finishing up with the offering, I'm always wanting to make sure that I make you aware of this. When I'm in town, I'm not here just for this evening. I'm here for the whole weekend. And so for tomorrow night, uh, we create a course that's actually uh, helping people figure out what their calling is and their destiny and how God has created and formed them for it. Do you know that when I travel, outside of doing a lot of teaching and ministry, that pretty much the number one question that I have a lot of people ask me is, what do you think God has called me to do or has created me to do? Um, that's, not a, that's not an uncommon question. That's actually pretty common in the body of Christ. It's a question I had when I actually graduated from Bible college. Well, okay, so I have all this training. What am I supposed to do? Where is God leading me? And I found, at least at that time, there's been a lot written on it since then, but at that time, I found there wasn't a lot of information on that. Um, you just went and served wherever an opportunity was at. And a lot of people didn't talk to us about vision. And so out of a need in my own life, I created um, a bunch of training on figuring out how God actually gifts people, gives them vision, and then how to actually stay with the vision the rest of their life so that they're full of joy. So if you're interested in any of that, please join us tomorrow night. We'll be in the chapel at 7 o'clock. Uh, it's a really good time. We, we don't just hear teaching. We have times where, depending on what we're covering, we either break in groups and pray for each other, or we learn to minister in the gifts, or just whatever the Lord's doing. So if you have plans tomorrow night, go ahead and cancel them and join us in the chapel at 7 o'clock. So. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be starting on verse 3. Now, there's a lot that we're going to be covering here because there's a lot that's being told to us. We're now coming into this part of the Corinthian letter where Paul is now going to begin to talk about the, the way that Christians actually think and reason and how that ties into the concept of spiritual warfare. Very important before we begin, we're going to start in verse 3. Very important before we begin, please remember that as you have Jesus dying on the cross and being raised, this whole concept of what it means to be a new creation comes to the forefront. And so the right, all the problems that you see in the Old, I'm sorry, in the New Testament the, that the Apostle Paul is writing to or Peter, the, the subjects they're dealing with, they're dealing with the reality that God has made his people a new creation. So how shall we live based on that? How should we think based on that? Is there, is there really a reality of spiritual reality where there's thoughts coming to you and I that are not coming out of the idea of having the Holy Spirit living inside of us? And can we actually recognize that, stand against that? Do we have any authority over that? Or are we a people that have the Holy Spirit deposited in us, but we live mostly defeated as a Christian? And I, I believe this is what Paul is now beginning to address because if you guys have <clears throat> any time where you relate to Christians or you do any form of leadership, you find out that you can see potential in people and in their lives, but if they don't break through on how to deal with strongholds, they will think and live defeated most of their Christian experience because of a belief of a lie. Now, I, I really believe the Lord wants to address that with that. Um, I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to just kind of take a moment uh, real quick. I was actually... Um, in the meeting, just kind of sitting there enjoying worship, feeling the presence of the Lord. And 
Um, as I was looking over my notes, I started recognizing that the Lord actually is here in authority. There's actually a miraculous power of the Lord that's actually in the room right now. So where I'd usually just go into my notes and start teaching, I need to take a moment and just kind of do what the Lord's doing. So I'm going to start with you. The, help me with your name again. Yeah. Eva, would you stand for a moment? Well, when you were over there, I actually had a vision and I saw the Lord actually show me something that he wanted me to share with you. So it was this. When, uh, you and I have talked many times before, but I felt like the Lord said that at a certain point when you first came to the Lord, you were experiencing so much of the power of God that you were amazed by that. And then it's like something came in at a certain season and stole your hope. And I actually felt like the Lord said, tonight specifically, he was hovering over you. And that's what you experienced in worship as the Lord was bringing his miraculous power to your soul again. And he told me that after this evening, he is going to <clears throat> set you free in a way that you've never been set free before. Things that you felt like you were defeated in the past, he's broken that over you this evening. And he wanted me to tell you that you know this. In the past, you had an evangelistic anointing resting on you, and you felt like that's left you, and it hasn't. It's been actually re-energized this evening, and the Lord is going to release you into going to festivals and to places where feel, people feel broken, and because of all the stuff that you've gone through, you're going to be able to set them free because of this dynamic word that you're going to be starting to move in. And so can we pray for that to be released in your life? Father, for your daughter, I ask that the power of your presence would come over her right now, and you would begin to uh, allow this faith, hope, and love to just be released inside her soul right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I command her calling to come forth right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for your goodness. Yeah, get her, God. Shake her. Cause her to come into who she's supposed to be right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against her shall prosper, and we command the blessing of the Father upon her right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. There was uh, this gentleman right here. You were actually laying down right there on the floor. Would you just stand for a moment? What's your name, sir? Sorry? Nate? Nate? All right, so kind of the same thing that's going on with her is the same thing that's going on with you. There's this calling on you where the Lord is actually telling you he's given you more authority than you're actually walking in right now. And it has to do with the miraculous and that God has called you to actually work with broken and hurting people in that arena specifically. And deliverance is going to be one of the keys that the Lord has actually given you to set people free. Does that make sense to you? And is this your wife right next to you? Would you stand? Because that call is also resting on you. So for both of you, would you just kind of put your hands out and let's receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord brought you here tonight very specifically because he wants to impart to you power and authority. So Lord, release power and authority inside them right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Both of you have felt like you've been broken in relationships, and the Lord says he is going to restore that. Not only is he going to restore that, you are going to have a, me, uh, a ministry of restoring the souls of people. It's your kindness, and it's the goodness of the Lord that works through you that's going to set a lot of people free. And God wants you to believe him for more than you're asking or imagining him right now.
now. You, you function in dreams when you sleep. The Lord is going to increase that in your life. And you're going to become this person that actually trains people in dreams and actually releases them into understanding that part of revelatory stuff going on in their life. And at a certain point in your life, you're going to start doing evangelism with a prophetic word. And you're going to start calling people out by their names, telling them their conditions, and seeing them set free. The Lord has a call on both of you to be in this wild evangelistic power ministry and he wants you to just accept it and welcome it so we just bless you in that in the name of the lord jesus christ amen all right Are you guys ready let's see if we can do this second corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning fleshly or physical, but they are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, Lord, we just ask that as we look at your word, that it wouldn't just be a time of Bible study, but it would be a time of revelation and transformation that we would be people that would hear and apply this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So as we look at this passage, you notice that Paul is using various words. And in fact, a lot of the translations, it could be translated several different ways. And so I'm just going to give you the words that are used here. It says that there could be words like imagination, reasoning, speculation, argument, knowledge, and thought. And so what we see as we look into this passage that when you and I come into relationship with Jesus, the work and the authority of the devil has been so broken over our lives that the only arena that he can now harass us is in our mind. So the warfare is with thoughts. And, and they give what we call different ways they describe these thoughts. And so these are the arenas that people think in. They think in the arena of imagination and, and reasoning and speculation and arguments and just knowledge and thoughts. And so this is where the enemy has decided to focus his attention on you and I, as we see in this passage. And the passage is saying God has given us the weapons to deal with this. We have the ability to deal with thoughts that are going on in our lives. Now, how many of you have ever had a random thought of doing something that's just incredibly sinful or incredibly wicked? It just kind of shoots through you, and you think, where did that come from? It shows you the Lord is saying, the way our culture teaches is we teach that our mind is a closed system. The only thoughts that are going on in our head, culturally, this is how we think, are our own thoughts. And so when he, every time there's an evil thought that goes through someone's mind, they think it's originating out of their own heart. Well, the scripture is trying to say, this is not reality. Once you've come to Christ, your thoughts want to obey the Lord. The way you reason and the way the Holy Spirit works with the soul of men is he is putting faith, hope, and love thoughts continually upon you and pressing it upon your soul so that you, and your soul wants to engage with that so that when evil things come across your mind, you have to realize it doesn't originate with you. The scripture even says the only way that it even stays in you is you consider it, you ponder it, and then it becomes something that locks in your soul. Your soul has been cleansed. You are not someone that just has a part of you that's evil and a part of you that's good. The Bible is saying, no, after you've become a new creation, 
You still have the sin nature that you're dealing with, but your thoughts and your motivation is to the Lord. And so you have to recognize these thoughts are coming and they're not originating with you and they're not originating with the Lord. They're coming from the enemy's kingdom. And the Bible is telling us in this passage specifically that there's this thing called strongholds or fortresses. It could be translated both ways. And this is what we actually need to look at is that the Bible says that there are ways that people think that anytime truth comes to them, they will not consider it. They will have a thought pattern that is connected to rejecting that thought, or they will have an area of prideful thinking that will resist reality and truth so that they cannot get a breakthrough. Even though God is willing to give it to them, <clears throat> the way they think about it, literally the way it's talked about is it brings them into a closet of despair and it leaves them there by how they think. And so what we want to do is we want to say, actually, what weapons has God actually given us to actually deal with this? So first thing we want to look at is what the Bible actually says about God's word and what he's like. So it tells us this in Psalm 16, verse 11. Now, this is God's plan for you and I. Tonight, think about this with me. Wherever you're at, if you have any area that you do not believe that Christ can break through, that is a stronghold and a lie. And this is what God's word says about this. You will show me the paths of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hands are pleasure forevermore. And so it is God's desire not only to redeem you and justify you and bring righteousness to you. He has a path of life that he's wanting to show you. He is working with you to show you life. And when we say life, this doesn't mean how do I have a long natural life. It's using the word life the way the Bible does. It talks about a quality of life. What kind of quality of life does God want you to have? Now, we, we say it so much all the time now, and it almost becomes something we don't think about. Your life is to be marked by the word favor and blessing. That's what it means to know Jesus, is to have favor and blessing. In fact, it actually tells us this in Psalms uh, 23, doesn't it? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, don't think like I did. I used to think that meant it's back there, it's never catching me, and I'm always in despair. That's not what the passage means. The word follow in that Hebrew word actually is the word for galloping or running fast horses to overtake something. So in the Psalms, it says it is God's desire that goodness and mercy will catch up to you, overcome you, and overtake your life till that's what your life is defined by. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that stunning to think that? That God's plans for you is to show you favor and blessing and give you the path of life. The only thing that can stop that is how you relate to God trying to give you these things. The enemy can't stop this. Uh, God is not wanting to stop this. It's how we receive God wanting to show us the path of life and the fullness of joy that sometimes keeps us from this. So let's talk about the types of strongholds that you and I or people in general are dealing with. If these are thought patterns, what are they? The first one comes, there are two categories of them. The first one is what we call a prejudice. You guys have heard that term. And so it could be summed up like this. Don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's already made up. That's prejudice. 
So, in the last five years of my life, the Lord has intentionally brought me into a season of my life that when I study the scripture, any part of the scripture, I don't know if you guys ever do this, do you ever read the scripture and you think, no, I'm just reading this, this is really good information, but I don't know if it's really supposed to transform me. Do you guys ever slide into those kind of things every once in a while? When you read a scripture and you don't believe that applies personally to you and you're to be transformed to be in what that scripture is, it's revealing to you that you have a stronghold in that area. Now, when I see those things, I look at them and say, well, why can't I enter into that? Now what the Lord has me do is I take time to actually bring that passage into my soul and meditate on it and allow the Lord to begin to heal my heart or speak to me why I can't receive that or expect that breakthrough in my life. Anywhere that you see God's word and what he intends for you and you believe you can't get there, God is showing you truth so that it will prick your heart to come into asking the Lord what in me either uh, modeling, believing a lie, or brokenness that's in me that keeps me from entering into that, we're to actually bring it before him and actually, if I could say this correctly, let him come and bring his healing presence into our soul so that we not just receive it and assent to it with our mind, but we actually enter into it in experience with God and then live out of it. That's what God has intended for you and I. And when a prejudice is in my heart, I've already determined that this isn't going to happen. <clears throat> it's amazing to actually realize that this isn't just with the scripture. This can come to any time God's trying to show you something. Uh, one of the main prejudices I had that I actually had to work through was the gifts of the spirit. When I first came into the kingdom, the group that I was hanging out with didn't believe that the gifts of the Spirit were for today. And because I loved those people that mentored me and brought me to the Lord, I thought everything they said was true. And as the Lord is showing me the gifts of the Spirit, I'm asking the people that have brought me to the Lord, hey, is this available? And they kept reinforcing, no, this is not available. And so when the Spirit of the Lord started showing this to me, revealing his presence, I found there was this incredible turmoil going on in my heart because I love those people so much and I couldn't believe that they could have a prejudice to something in the word of God that would actually form a prejudice inside of me. And I don't know if you guys realize this. Let's go back to the scripture. I want to show you something. It, when it talked right here where it says that, um, that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, that word mighty is the Greek word for miracles. So how does God break us through when we have a prejudice in our hearts towards something? He brings, now think about this, we're, we're so, uh, most of us think, well, when God expresses miraculous powers, it, it always means he's raising someone from the dead or healing someone sick or pulling them out of wheelchair. But the miraculous power of God is how you grow consistently as a Christian. Because we have these strongholds and these prejudices in our heart, the only way that we can be set free is the miraculous power of God actually has to hover over us and break it. Truth doesn't just come as information. It comes as an impartation of power so that you can receive it at all levels, thinking, emotionally, and spiritually. God has to bring enough power and authority to you to get you set free from that place of being stuck. 
And the scripture says God has actually given us this ability to do this. All right, let's look at the next word. Preconception. Forming a, uh, having an opinion before you know anything about something. Um, <clears throat> I've been caught in this so many times it almost scares me. How many of you were raised in a family that thought they knew everything? Oh, three of you back there. Oh, four, five. Okay. When you're raised in a family where they promote pride at a certain level as a family value, you end up not having knowledge about a lot of stuff, but assuming you know stuff about something. That's preconception. The idea that you don't have, you're just internally just incredibly brilliant that you never have to learn. Uh, that, that's a false analogy, and if you guys have been trained that in your family, you really need to acknowledge that when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, all knowledge is wrapped up in Him, and because all knowledge is wrapped up in Him, I'm going to always be learning from Him and learning of Him forever. And so I'm an eternal learner. I should never come to the place that I settle at any level of my understanding of the Lord, my understanding of people, or my understanding of the things of God, I should never settle because you're, you're never going. Do you guys realize that throughout eternity, you're going to be learning things about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit forever? The, he's infinite knowledge. We'll never have that knowledge. And so we'll always be learning. And so there, this idea that I... I know everything or understand everything or have an opinion about everything, this is another form of a stronghold that people struggle with. Now, if you have your Bibles with me, go to me with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, and let's, let's re do a real quick review of something because it ties into this passage that we're looking at. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Now, this is one of my favorite passages because it explains in a very detailed way how strongholds are formed and how people live in them. And it also shows you how you're broken free, literally out of the passage itself. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 states this. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of of God. Now, what is a stronghold or a fortress? When it says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, the, the word blinding here is really interesting. In the Greek, it's the word for smoke. Isn't that interesting? Well, it actually has two definitions. It means smoke. So, you guys ready? The reason I can't perceive truth or receive truth is because the way I'm thinking, it's like a smoke screen. It keeps me from, from perceiving or receiving the light of Christ. But another way that the word can be translated for blinding, it also means the word for pride. So what does the God of this age do to people to keep them in strongholds? What does the God of this age do to keep you from growing in Jesus? He makes you come into pride at some level, and it creates a filtering system that when the light of Christ's goodness and love comes to show you truth, you can't receive it because you have these blinders blinding you from seeing it. Now, this is talking about unbelievers receiving the gospel, but it's actually the reality that we see when we uh, hear the prayer of Paul in Ephesians where he talks about having the spirit of wisdom revelate. You're supposed to pray for that. The reason why is 
there's this thing going on where the system of the world and the, uh, the, the, the God of this world has systems and communication and thoughts being pumped out to you on a continual basis so that you'll create a smokescreen not to receive what Christ says. And the reality of it is, is you guys ready? I can't break myself free from a stronghold. The mighty weapons that God has actually given me is his presence and his word and me standing before him and then it's his light that actually comes into my soul and once I see Christ in some way that I've never seen him before that that idea of seeing him actually means not just looking and going "Ooh, isn't that neat it's the idea that if I can see him the way he is this impartation that comes from his very presence saturates and transforms my soul to become like him in that way So anytime I'm trying to grow in Christ or try to get free from a stronghold, I'm not just saying what information do I need to know. It's how do I begin to see Jesus that way? And it only comes by revelation. As I behold him in that, he speaks to me and talks to me. When God speaks, he breaks the power of deception inside of me. He uh, brings wholeness into my soul and he aligns me to receive the glory of God in that way that he's revealed himself to me. And what happens is I'm transformed so that river constantly flows through me and I can now walk in it. Let's look at this. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. And it talks about Christ's victory to defeat the enemy in spiritual warfare. So we have a problem. We have strongholds or fortresses. It has to do with our mind. We need to see the, we need to have our blinders taken away. And we need to see Christ. And so here's how Paul describes this. He says, uh, through the death of Christ on the cross on our behalf, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature... God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, and he canceled the written code which is, with its regulations that are against us and stood opposed to us. He took them away, and he nailed them on the cross. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made public spectacles of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So... The enemy does not want you to grasp what this passage is actually telling you about what God has done for you. So, in connection to this idea that he has canceled the written code, I'm going to describe that here in a moment. I'm going to look at another reference real quick with you in Revelations chapter 12, verse 10, on this thing and how God describes this to us. It says this, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. So why does the enemy accuse you and I? What is his objective? It can be stated in one simple phrase. is to make you... This is a lie, by the way, to make you feel guilty. As long as he can make you feel guilty, you will be defeated. As long as you have shame about something that you think God has against you, you will not do what God has called you to do or created you to do. As long as you have these feelings and you accept them as your own, 
and not realize that the source comes from something else and you think you have to minister to this and wallow in it and live in it as a, a lifestyle, you have been uh, given to yourself a fortress and Christ wants to set you free from it. You and I as believers are not to live in guilt and shame that is the major stronghold that most people are struggling with and Christ has literally set you free from that by dying on the cross for you. How has he done that? He actually says it's his righteousness is the key. His righteousness. Now, when we use that term righteousness, I'll describe it here real quick. There are two forms of righteousness. There are, ready? There's a form of righteousness that um, I cannot earn and it's given to me. And it's this, this is what justification by faith means. God pronounces I am righteous in his sight. And then there's another form. Based out of that pronouncement over my life, the Holy Spirit begins a work inside of me that I now bring my life into relationship with Christ and I walk with him in a loving relationship. And out of that loving relationship, I do things that are righteous in his sight. So the first act is God gives me righteousness. Why is that so important when we talk about this dealing with strongholds? Because it has to do with this idea of the law. Now, Corinthian letters has been bringing up the law consistently. What do you do with the law? What do you do with the law? And now he's taken the written law of Moses and saying, well, when spiritual warfare happens, is the law used as a form of spiritual warfare? And are you guys ready? The enemy uses the law against you. <laughs> that was an interesting look some of you gave me. So what does he do? Jesus died on the cross so that the, the requirements of the law, you don't have to fulfill those anymore. In fact, the purpose of the law was to show you sin so that you would cry out for a Savior. Once you cried out for that Savior, you're not under that system anymore. But the enemy knows that, but we don't. And so he brings the law back to you as a believer and says, you're not walking according to the law, and God is ashamed of you, and you should feel guilty before him. And he uses the law to beat you into thinking God's not for you. Isn't that fascinating? He uses the very thing that was used to bring people to his Savior. Now that they're in Christ, he uses it to actually bring guilt and shame by taking the law and bringing you to it and saying, look, you're not living up to the law. How many of you in your past, I don't know if you want to raise your hand as I say this, but how many of you in your past did some sin after you were a believer and, the, and you keep having these thoughts that go back to that and you relive it and you relive it and you relive it all the time and you feel it coming into your emotions and you think, well, Christ must not have forgiven me. This seems to be an issue because I still feel the weight of this thing. Just because your emotions respond to it doesn't mean that Christ hasn't forgiven you. Christ has forgiven it. The enemy uses it so you will feel it so that he can bring shame and condemnation over you. It is not yours. That's why you're brought to it all the time. So the law of Moses, its requirements, every time we break even one of them in the most mighty ways, we, uh, in minor ways, we feel guilty before God. But the law was taken out for achieving right. I cannot be righteous before God by observing the law. That, that wasn't the purpose of it. So righteousness is not only spoken to me. How do I live righteously so I can break free from strongholds in my, life, my mind? I, it's going to almost sound too simple to say. I fall in love with Jesus. 
And I walk with Jesus in a loving relationship where he and I are fellowshipping with each other and he's leading me in paths of righteousness or paths of life. Now, sometimes we make it so complicated that most people don't live that simple principle of Christianity. Jesus became your savior. He didn't just save you once from the law. He's saving you every day, which means he's ministering to you every day. You're to walk with Jesus, not just meet Jesus and go, well, I met you once, you forgave me of my sins, and I'll see you when I die. That's not the Christian reality. The Christian reality is I've met you, and every day I need this. I need life from you. I need you to lead me. I need you to be my Savior because that's the purpose of his relationship with you and I. So the law, anytime we go back to, guys ready, as believers, this is kind of fun to say it isn't. Every time you go back to the law and you try to live by the law, the immediate effect on your soul will either be shame or guilt. It's just the purpose of that whole experience. And that's why the enemy likes bringing you back to the law when you become a believer. He likes to remind you of things and how you're not living up to this because he knows the effect it will have on you. The law and the purpose of the law intentionally is to bring people to a place of needing a savior. Well, you already know the savior. You don't need him that way anymore. You need him in a different way. And so you need to relate to him in the way that he is now. It says this in Romans 10:4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. He's the end of it. Now, as we keep going on in this idea of tearing down strongholds and this idea of the miraculous power that's released through it, listen to what Jesus actually pronounces over your life. Now, I, a lot of us in this room, we've been walking with the Lord for quite a long time. And so sometimes when we hear this scripture, we've heard it so many times and we just go, yeah, yeah, that's truth that the impact of it doesn't hit us the way it's supposed to. I'm, I'm going to show you what Jesus says is your normal life. If any area of your life isn't responding and that's normal, the, the Lord is trying to say, you need to pay attention to that. That might be a prejudice or a preconception and it might be a stronghold. We get this out of Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Now, I know it's been about 2,000 years and a lot of times when people are reading the Bible, I do this periodically, I read the Bible and I say, well, he's saying it to those guys. Now remember, he was saying it to those guys, not just for them, but for all of it. He told it to them because we were supposed to get the information. So this applies to all of us. So what he's saying to you and I is really important. So Jesus declares this. Now Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So you and I are called to make disciples. All right. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're to teach the, us and them to obey everything he commanded them. And then he says, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, uh, if you've never heard me say this before, or you've never heard this in a sermon before, I want to make sure you understand the last part here. He said, surely I will be with you till the end of the age. There's a lot of places in scripture where it's trying to teach us what we call the theology of what God is like. This isn't one of those statements. So sometimes God says in the Psalms, I'm in the highest of heavens and I'm in the, the, low, the deepest of deeps. He's saying I'm everywhere. That's a statement about who God is and what he's like. But when he says, I am with you till the end of the age, he's not making a statement of his 
eminence or his ability to be everywhere at all times. It's a statement that's made in the gospel that means the tangible, manifest glory of the presence of Jesus. Just like if I walked with Jesus in the physical and felt the spirit of the Lord resting on him, I get to have that same experience even though he's not physically standing there because he's with me. The same way he was on the planet, he is with me now until the end of the age. So every generation gets to experience what the first generation got to experience with Jesus, with the presence of the Lord manifesting his glory in the midst of him. All of us, that's our inheritance. Anywhere in our life where we think, well, there's ebbs and flow and certain people get to experience another, all of that is a lie that's told to the church constantly so we don't be who we're supposed to be. The enemy has lied to you and I about the idea that we can't make disciples, we can't lead them into coming to the Lord, that they can't be taught all these things, and that the presence of the Lord has somehow been diminished as Jesus is farther and farther away from being on the planet. There's something about Jesus that you need to understand in the presence of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't give it here for one generation, and the next generation just gets to be in pain and never experiences it, and then he gives it to another generation. The only reason there's a diminishing of the presence of the Holy Spirit is because we believed a lie that the enemy has tried to convince us for generations that God is not available like he was when he was walking on the planet, and that is not true based on this passage. He hasn't diminished his ability. He has all the authority to do all this stuff. We don't have to be afraid of it. We need to get where the Lord shakes us free from these perceptions of what he's like and begin to step in the victory that he's actually given us. Now, here's three statements of victory that come by breaking free from strongholds. First one is this. Jesus defeated Satan on his own behalf. When he met Satan, he resisted the temptation and defeated him. On the cross, Jesus defeated Satan on our behalf. Not for himself, but for us. He did this to give us victory from himself that he already had. This is one of the ideas of the exchange on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, there's this thing called the great exchange. What was resting on him came on his people, and what was resting on his people went on him. So the way that Jesus lived, the blessing he had from the Father, all the good things the Father had for his Son, now transfers to his people, the body of Christ, and all the shame, guilt, and condemnation, and sin, and all the things that we've done that separate us from God went on Jesus. So he defeated the enemy in our lives by dying on the cross, and then he gave us his victory. And the third one is this. He's called us into this really cool place, and, and most people like it, and some people think, oh, that, that language is kind of rough, I don't like it. But he's actually called us to recognize, not only has the enemy been defeated, one of the greatest joys we have in our life is to go after the enemy's camp and take away captives that he has in his camp. See, I don't want to just do spiritual warfare where I just sit around and I watch Bronco games and eat guacamole and chips all the time and the world just goes to hell. That's boring, by the way. If you, especially, <laughs> okay, I better not get into the, don't go there, Brian. Especially if you watch some teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So, you guys ready? 
because there's this perception that, well, Jesus might have set me free from my sin, but I don't ever want to deal with it. He's just so powerful, and he's scary, and he's evil. But, but Jesus says, actually, one of the greatest joys you're going to have is someone who's victimized you before you met Christ. You get to go and actually defeat everything he does and find joy in it. There's a joy in defeating the enemy. And you've been called to this. And there's this thing where we don't want to go there and talk about this because that's that, part, that's that icky part of the ministry that has to do with demons of deliverance and all that other stuff. But anything you get to do for Jesus destroys what the enemy has done. And I love watching the enemy being decimated and the junk that he's done to people. Don't you? And so... When we talk about tearing down these strongholds, God actually says it's our, now think about this. It's your divine right from God not to live under evil. It is not who you are. It is not what you've been created to live under. You've been created to live under the favor and the blessing of the Lord. But the question becomes, God has done everything to do this for you. Do you want to walk with him in such a way and think the way that he does about these things that you, in your mind and in your actions, you become an overcomer? I'm going to show you one last thing in the passage, and then we'll be done, and we're going to pray here. It says that when it goes through all this stuff about the knowledge, then it says we bring, every, we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you look at the word captivity here, it's kind of confusing to some people. How do you bring, how do you bring every thought to captivity? The, the word captivity here, the, the original language, which it kind of gives us a little more insight, it actually means a thought comes and I bring it into submission to Christ. That's the idea of captivity. What does it mean, submission? Well, submission, all right? So a thought comes to me that doesn't look like the kingdom, doesn't look how Jesus thinks about things, doesn't look like how the kingdom of God works. When it comes to me, I see it for what it is, and I recognize it as a lie, and then I bring it under me and say, that has no authority over me, and I bring it under submission to Christ. So he's actually saying when temptations or evil thoughts come in your soul, you don't try to wrestle with it yourself. You bring it before the Lord, and you let his love wrestle it for you in your soul so that he can set you free from it. When I first learned about spiritual warfare, I don't know why, the teachers that were teaching me weren't trying to teach me this way, but I assumed this. I used to think spiritual warfare is something you learn to do. You learn to do spiritual warfare. So in healing, you have to trust the Lord to heal people, but when you do spiritual warfare, you don't need to have Jesus anywhere in the middle of it, you just need to know your authority. Where your authority comes from a relationship with a person, not a concept. And so if I'm walking with Jesus and I'm trying to deal with evil, he's the one that overcomes evil, not me taking a position of saying scriptures 300 times and commanding the devil to leave. I take it to the Lord and I said, here's this evil thing. And I know it's washing over me and having an effect on me. So come with your power. That's what he said he's going to give you. Give me your thoughts on this and set me free on this. One time, um, my prayer closet, in different seasons of my life, uh, by raising kids, if you have kids, this will make sense to you. At a certain season of my life, I couldn't find, I couldn't go like 
pray somewhere because my kids would find me and then they'd want to talk to me. And so I was trying to figure out where's my prayer closet. <laughs> the only place I could find it at a certain season in my life is my shower. That was the only place I could go where no one interrupted me. That only lasted for a season too, but that's a different story. So one day I'm in my shower and you guys, I had this familiar sin that I couldn't break free from. And because I kept involving myself in it, I kept feeling more shame and more condemnation. And I'm in the shower one day, and I'm, you guys ready? I'm trying to figure out how do I break, and I'm trying to determine how to have more self-effort, or how do I find God? I mean, I was just confused. How come I cannot break free from this when the scripture says that I'm to be free from this thing? And so I'm washing my hair, and the soap's running into my eye, and I'm in pain now, and I'm, I'm still thinking about this. And the voice of the Lord comes into my soul and says this really interesting thing to me. He says, Brian, you're not in bondage to that sin. That's a lie. You've, you've given yourself to that sin. If you'll just give yourself back to me, I'll break you free from that. I thought, what? I'm not in bondage to this thing? He said, no, I set you free from that 2,000 years ago. But you've accepted that you're in bondage to it. You think you're in bondage to it. He said, if you just take that and bring that to me, I'll come and I'll bring my power and I'll speak to you and I'll minister to your heart to break you free at every level so that thing doesn't have authority over you. And when he said, you're over this, you're actually not under it, something broke inside my soul the minute he said that to me. All of a sudden, I started realizing, wait a minute, there is really a reality. After Jesus came, I was in bondage to that sin. But when Jesus came, I found out there were certain days I didn't have to sin, and I could choose not to do it. I gave myself to that sin, and it actually showed that I actually had authority over it, and I never could see that. I just saw myself in it. If you have the ability, after you come to Christ, not to sin when you used to not be able not to sin, it shows you have authority over it and you're not in bondage to it anymore, you give yourself to it. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. You can come to Christ and say, now whatever is in me, either the way I think about this or something in my, my background or a belief that's not right, Lord, I just remember we need a Savior every day. I just bring this before you. Come and transform me and love me in such a way that this doesn't have a pull on me anymore because you've called me to be free from it. Jesus really has an ability to do that. He set me free that day. Now, you'd go, well, that's a once in a life. No, once I saw that pattern, I started realizing this is a consistent way of relating to the Lord. If you come to the Lord in your brokenness, he has the ability to set you free from anything you're struggling with. You don't have to be defeated. You don't. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I feel it in my emotions, but you guys, Jesus can even set your emotions free. You do not have to be caught in something that Jesus wants you set free and blessed by. Would you guys join me in prayer now? Let's pray. Lord, I, first I just want to say thank you that your weapons are so mighty that we can truly be set free. We can truly be set free. 
And I ask, Lord, that the power, the, the miraculous power that we actually see here in 2 Corinthians 10, this mighty power to demolish, we ask that you would release it over our hearts and our thoughts. Anywhere we need to be set free, we ask for your, your dunamis, miraculous power to be released over us to set us free right now. And Lord, anywhere where we hold on to things instead of bringing them to you, help us unclench our fists and be open to letting your love transform us. And Lord, I ask that wisdom and revelation would be granted to each of us in this room to see strongholds in our lives and in our families and find you in the midst of it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. All right. Is there... Oh, thanks. Is there... <laughs> one person. I appreciate that. <laughs> Is there... <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Trying to keep me humble. I appreciate it. If you're dealing with pain in your ribs, if someone here dealing with pain in their ribs, please stand. The Lord wants to actually minister to you. Pain in your ribs. Okay, let's move on to the next one. This is not going to be a fun one to say, so you don't have to stand up right now. Stand up when the rest of them stand up. You have inflammation, and it's a hemorrhoid problem. Inflammation, hemorrhoid problem. Glad Jared's getting such a kick out of that. So, and the Lord was showing me it's not a continual, uh, consistent problem. It's an on and off again problem, but it's really, it, when the inflammation causes a lot of pain. If that's you, at a certain point, please stand. The Lord wants to minister to you. The Lord was also showing me some people got some root canals. The root canal didn't work properly, and they have pain in their jaw. So if you're struggling with root canal problems or pain in your jaw, Please stand. The Lord wants to minister to you. And I'm, I'm truly sorry you're dealing with it. It's also showing me that someone here is dealing with an inner ear. And they have continued. There's a weakness in their ear. And what it causes is inner ear infection. So if you find yourself having struggles with inner ear weakness or infection, stand. The Lord wants to minister to you. Weakness in your ear. And it causes uh, inflammation or pain. And then he was showing me someone pulled their leg muscle. It was the upper thigh area, and it's kind of causing you a lot of problems. If you're dealing with a muscle pull in your leg, please stand. The Lord would actually like to relieve that and lift that off of you. All right, so for the people that are standing, please just put your hands out. Let's ask the Lord to come. Holy Spirit, come. Bring your healing power and presence. Now, Lord, would you just bring your healing salve into their jaw and all the stuff that's going on with the tooth and the jaw, ask that your, your power would come and just lift this off. The problem with infection and inflammation, we just break the power of that in the name of Jesus. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would lift that off. You bore this on the cross, Lord, lift this off of their bodies. And we pronounce wholeness over them right now. And the pulled muscle, I ask that you send your power into our physical body and that you would restore us, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, let's keep going. Is there a woman here named Jill? A woman here named Jill. Jill. 
All right, Jill. I, I think I've called you out before, haven't I? Okay, well, here we go again. He told me that uh, he wanted you to know this very specifically, that he considers you, you've been faithful in his house. And he wanted me to tell you this very specifically, that there's a transition coming in your life. You're actually a mentor and a leader in a lot of people's lives. And the Lord is going to actually change. There's a change coming in your life. It's like you've been crying out to the Lord to actually raise you up, or you've had a sense of that inside your soul. Are you aware of that? And the Lord said he actually had put that inside of you and he's actually going to cause you to come into a new season where you're going to actually grow as a mentor and this change is going to come and it's going to have to do with the work of the Lord. There's something of the work of the Lord where the Lord is actually going to come to you, that, that um, anointing on you to heal people, God's going to use that even in a greater dimension. And, and he doesn't want you to think you're just kind of stuck right now because there's a breakthrough coming from the Lord to actually get you to this next season. Does that make sense to you? Let's pray for you. So, Father, for Jill right now, we ask that you, first, that you commended her as a daughter. Just let your love flow into her heart that she has been faithful in your house and that she really is a mentor and a leader in people's lives. And that this transition that you're taking her through, we as your sons and daughters come into agreement. Get her through it, Lord. Let her come into a land of blessing that you have promised her. And we bless what you're doing in her life. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Thank you, Jill. Appreciate it. Is there a gentleman here named Peter? Peter. So I know a gentleman named... Now, I got very specific on this, so I'm surprised. So let me go ahead. If you're not here, Peter, is someone knows someone named Peter. He has brown hair and he wears glasses. So someone knows someone named Peter that has brown hair and wears glasses. You do? How are you related? I'm sorry? Oh, he's your brother? Would you stand? Let's pray for him real quick, okay? Could you give him this word? And I'm sure they're going to have this at some point so you can see this later. Um, in his past, he was actually wounded in relationship. And what it's done is it's shut down a gift of compassion that he actually has. And the Lord wanted me to say this to him, that God is going to come to that place of pain and he is going to restore him. And he's going to come back into relationship, not only with people, but what God has called him to do. And the joy of the Lord is going to touch his heart again. And he's going to find solace in being in relationship again. So could we pray for Peter about that? So Father, since Peter's not here, we ask that you get this to him. Would you release your healing presence over his soul. And that compassion gift that is resting on his life, love him to a place of wholeness so that he can walk with you in joy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. All right, is there an Annabelle here? Annabelle. Gosh, I must, uh, when you do this, if you guys ever get to do this, uh, someone here related to a woman named Annabelle? If, you're, if not, I'm going to give it anyways. Uh, I know I can miss it, but I had a sense the Lord was in this. So if someone's listening online, Annabelle, if you're online. Uh, 
Annabelle, I actually saw the power of the Lord come on you. He was telling me that you have a strong nature that has a leadership gift on you. The Lord is going to give you the joy of the Lord. And there's going to be this empowering season that comes in your life where God is going to take you very much into a leadership role, cause you to do a lot of dynamic works for him, and that the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. So, Lord, if she's watching online, bless her in that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Is there a gentleman here named Doug? Or someone related to a gentleman named Doug. Oh, okay. Well, this Doug was very specific. He was an accountant. So is there a person here that's related to a gentleman named Doug and he's an accountant? Okay. Isn't this depressing to watch me do this? All right, let's keep going on. So, Lord, for Doug, I ask that you'd bring him a breakthrough in his business. This thing that he's been longing for where you actually come. He's been faithful in your house. He's been serving, but he's been wondering where you're at. Uh, The Lord is saying he's going to move on your behalf, Doug, and bring a breakthrough. And so, Lord, we come into agreement with that. We bless that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, please stand. I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and we will be done this evening. Thank you for coming. And please receive the blessing of the Lord. You mind just putting your hands out like this? Lord, we ask that you would come now. Let's bring your power and your presence. Now, Lord, I ask that a strengthening would come into their soul and that you would bless them. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you rest. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless you guys. Go with God.